Welcome friends, my name is Jonathan Reeder and I am the Community Life Pastor here at Friends Church in Orange. And we are so glad that you are checking out this message today. We hope that you find inspiration for your spiritual journey wherever you're at on that journey. We're just glad that you're here today. If you wanna find out ways to get connected here at Friends and be a part of our community, you can just check all that out on the website that you're on right now. Find out how you can be a part of what is happening here at Friends. We hope you enjoy this message and we hope that God blesses you through what you hear. Good morning. It's still morning. Some of you still waking up. I love that. It's why we're here, right? There's something special about the 1130 service every single week, and we are thrilled that you guys are here with us for that. Uh, oftentimes, and today is one of those days where specifically we just want to stop and say thank you. We know that giving up your time is one of the most valuable things that you do. And so the fact that you would choose to be here with us, like Kendall was saying earlier, as part of a community, as part of a family, with just joining with other people is a gift. And so we don't take that lightly. We're grateful that you guys would choose to join us. Lots of you, part of our family, it's good to see you back. Some of you guys might be new. And so we just want to say thank you for trusting us with you, with your time, with your story. There are amazing churches all throughout this county. So the fact that you chose to be here is a great gift. So we're, we're grateful for that. Uh, as was mentioned earlier, we are finishing, concluding our Psalm 23 series today. And as I was looking at it this week, I thought, ah, here's a question that oftentimes we're asked as kids. I just thought I'd ask you guys today, but if you could be any kind of animal on the planet, what would you be? What? A wolf? A dolphin. A squirrel? Well, it's cute, cuddly, just like you, Chancellor. You know what I mean? What else? What would you be? A bird, a cheetah, right? I want to run super fast. What else? Giraffe. giraffe. You know what's funny? Somebody said giraffe every service. I'm like, that's so interesting. You'd want to be a giraffe. Is it the neck? Is it the tongue? I have no idea. What else? Anything else you'd want to be? An otter. Oh, yes. Just roll over on your back and like just pot those little oysters and stuff. Here's what's fascinating. You can ask, you can go downstairs and we can ask the kids and stuff what they'd want to be. You can ask any room full of door. It's amazing because generally speaking, people want to be one of a couple things. You want to be like the apex predator. Like, I want to be an eagle. I want to be a lion. I want to be a bear. It's like, oh, I want to own the world. Or you want to be something kind of cute and cuddly. You know, I want to be the otter. I want to be a puppy. You know, I want to be something like that, which is fascinating. You know what nobody ever says? This. Nobody ever says, you know what I'd love to be? <clears throat> Sheep, right? And there's reasons for that. It's because we know they're the dumbest animals on the planet. And we know that they have to be led everywhere. We know that they're utterly useless other than like you shave them every now and then. But, but the bottom line is nobody wants to be a sheep. Nobody says that. And yet, like this is your yearbook picture. To God. Like this is your self-portrait. Like every single person is de designed to be a sheep. We're designed to be communal animals. If you think about it, sheep don't make it alone. They live together and they're totally dependent upon a shepherd. And so are we. We just don't like to think that way. And even in the midst of that, oftentimes we're comfortable with being led or being shepherded in particular ways at particular times. We just want to control that. So we want to decide 
what we want to be led in or taught. And we're comfortable with it. So oftentimes you want to learn a new skill. You want to learn a new sport. You're going to have a coach who's going to teach you and lead you and guide you. You're going to have a shepherd. You want to learn new skills. You want to learn how to think. You want an education. You're going to have teachers who are going to shepherd you and they're going to teach you and lead you and guide you. You want to learn a new skill or ability in the world. You're going to go find somebody. You want to go buy a house or something. You're probably not going to go get it. You're going to get a shepherd real estate agent who's going to lead you through the process. You want to learn how to think about finances. You're going to go find a financial planner, a shepherd who's going to go, I'll tell you what to do. So we're comfortable with the idea of being sheep. We just want to decide when and how that is. And the bottom line is we're all designed to be sheep. That's inherently part of all of us. And we also come into, and we want shepherds when we have to navigate life's most severe moments. Things like this week, where there's no answers, and there's confusion that's reigning everywhere. And you know what we want? We want a shepherd. We want somebody to lead us. We want somebody to guide us. We know that we don't have the biggest answers to life's biggest questions when we're confronted with pain and tragedy and loss and despair. And as we're growing up and going through life, all of a sudden we could start thinking about the bigger questions in life, about meaning and about purpose and about eternity. And you know what we long for? A shepherd. We start to realize that we're more sheep-like than we are willing to admit. And so that's why I love this series that we've been going through in Psalm 23. Just three short weeks, but here's the deal. This is what's important about this. Psalm 23 is a passage of scripture that has been used for centuries for billions of people to shepherd them through life's most severe moments. The biggest questions in life get unpacked in the 23rd Psalm. This is a space where we get to see who God is, that we are sheep created to be led and shepherded. And so today, as we finish this series, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you what's Here's what's coming your way. You're going to get a very clear picture of who God is as a good shepherd. Not only are you going to get a really clear picture of who God is as a shepherd, you're going to get a very clear invitation to choose him not just as a shepherd or the shepherd, but your shepherd. And as a sheep, do you want to be led and shepherded by God or just by another sheep in this world? Because that's what happens. And then finally, one of the things we're going to do at the end of the service today, we're going to stop and we're going to remember through the gift that Jesus gives us of communion to remember that he is our good shepherd. And we just get to stamp that truth into our life. So as we go on this journey today, that's why I'm excited that you're here. And I want to invite you as we get started, let's just read out loud together Psalm 23. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. These first three verses were the verses that we looked at when we launched the series a couple weeks ago, right? And it's so beautiful because it's like this big exhale that David starts with. And essentially, in just a few verses, what David's trying to say is, is that God is a God who provides so you can rest. God is a God who provides so you can rest. You can take a deep breath. 
He's going to provide everything that you need, all of the forgiveness, all of the grace, all of the comfort, all of the love, all of the resources, all of the guidance, all of the wisdom, and all of the rest that you need. God is a God who provides. And then last week, we picked it up in verse 4. Let's read this out loud together. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You get this sense in these verses, the tension that we live in in this world, right? About the darkness and the light, and yet there's hope in the midst of pain. And what we see in this is the first three is that God provides. These these next two verses are that God protects. He's not going to leave you alone in those moments. He's going to be with you. He's going to care for you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to protect you and guide you and lead you. And then finally today, we're just going to look at the last verse. And really, it's a powerful, powerful verse because David, in the very first part of the verse, summarizes these first five verses. And he says this. Let's read it out loud together. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Read it again. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And like I said, he's summarizing the first five, but here's what he's saying. God pursues you. God's a God who pursues you. And David's speaking from experience. Remember, he's not a young man anymore. This is when he's older and he's more experienced. He's got some gray hair like me and just a few of you in this room. And he's looking back on a lifetime And seeing God woven into every detail of his life. From the time he was young as a shepherd and to now he's a king. And again, he's speaking from the perspective and writing from the perspective of what? A sheep. And so you have the most incredibly powerful, influential man on the planet at the time. And he's saying, ah, I'm a sheep and it's beautiful to be one. And he's saying, because I have a God that provides, I have a God who protects, and I look back at my story and I see a God that has pursued me all the days of my life. He's experienced the fullness of God over the course of his story, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, the light and the dark, the good times and the bad, and he's saying, oh, he's provided every step of the way, everything that I needed, even when I thought he was gone, he was closer than I thought, I can't believe this. And he summarizes it with these two characteristics of God. He's wrapping all of that up in these two words, goodness and love. And he's saying, oh, I can see your goodness and your faithfulness, and I can feel your unfailing love or mercy. Lots of different translations, right? And he's summarizing, oh, God, I can see it all, your goodness and love just enveloping my story. And I was thinking about this week how he's writing now from the perspective of being a sheep. And I thought, you know, okay, here's what came to mind. Modern day shepherds, they don't work alone. They usually have some help. And so I want to introduce you to goodness and love. I know. (laughs) See? But I thought, ah, this is what he's saying. We're sheep. And God has given us goodness and love. And look how much they enjoy their jobs. You can see, it's like they're just smiling at you like, I love you. I can't believe I get to do this. And you can imagine as we're walking along, right, not alone because there's, but they're just doing what? They're just goodness and love, just nipping at your heels. 
just saying, hey, oh, if they want us to go this way, what do they do? They swing our hand. No, 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 I need you to go this way. Awesome. They're so excited. I want you to go that way. They come around here. Here's what you do. And you know what was fascinating? I actually, I watched some videos of like, like sheep dogs, like shepherding dogs at work. And it's fascinating. And one of the things they want to do, clearly they want to go and they just work their way around. If they want them to go down a narrow path, they kind of get on the sides and squeeze them together so they get single file. It's fascinating what happens. And if they want them to stop, you know what they do? They run around in front and they just lay down. And they stare at the sheep. And you know what the sheep do? Stop. And they just kind of line up and stare at the dogs. And they'll just sit there and stare at each other until the shepherd gives a command or a whistle. Dog jumps up, runs around behind, the sheep start moving again. And I thought, it's beautiful. God's goodness and love. Just leading and guiding. God, which way do I go? Oh, just go this way. A little goodness and love moving us, shaping us. And here's the thing. Sheep, like I said, they're dumb. They literally will walk themselves to death. And I thought, how kind of God to put goodness and love in front of us just to get us to stop sometimes, to rest. So you need to slow down. Let's just wait here for a little bit. And you see, that's what David is, is painting this picture of in this passage, is that goodness and love have been pursuing and following and nipping at his heels his whole life. Even when he couldn't see them, they were there. And he's looking back on this story and saying, this is what it looks like. And I love the Bible. I love the We talk about this often because the Bible's not naive to the pain of life or to our stories. And I love that not all circumstances in David's life or ours could be defined as full of goodness and love. There are painful, painful things that happen in this world. But David's not defining his circumstances as full of goodness and love. He's defining God as being full of goodness and love and his character and the way he pursued him. You see, David's not immune to pain, right? We know that. We've talked about it. How some of the most challenging moments in his life, he's anointed and, and said he's going to become king at a young age, but then he literally is running for his life with a, with a king and a whole army pursuing him, trying to kill him. He's running afraid, scared, anxious, worried. We know that there's different times where he's betrayed, including at one point by his own family, by his son, to take over his throne. We know that David went through deep loss and deep pain by losing a child. We know that David was one of the most heroic failures in the Bible. Not like the little stuff that you would think. I mean, the big stuff. A liar, a cheater, an adulterer, a murderer. And yet, this is the same David that's looking back on a lifetime and saying, in all of it, all of it, I see your goodness and love shaping my story, guiding me, leading me, bringing me back into those beautiful pastures, giving me everything that I need in every moment, providing everything that I need, giving me the protection that I need at just the right moments. God, I can see you and your goodness and love. Even when the circumstances aren't good, David's saying, God is. God is. And that's the picture he's painting here. And we see this reflected all through the Bible, don't we? Oftentimes, it's just not what gets amplified in our own life or in our own story or in the world. 
One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Romans chapter 8. Paul's just writing about the love of God. And then towards the end, in verse 28, it says this in the message translation. He says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Every detail of our lives can be worked and fashioned into something good. Even the dark things, even the challenging moments, even the heroic failures that we all commit and experience in this world, even that, God, goodness and love can nip at that and just fashion that into something that can be used for good. You see, only God, the good shepherd, can do that. Only God, who is truly good, can actually make that possible. And that's what David's saying, only God can do this. And it's interesting, isn't it, that he chooses goodness and love to characterize the shepherd, God. Because I don't know about you, so often in my own life, so often of what I hear or experience in the world, those aren't the words that people or that I would use to characterize God. Oftentimes we think, okay, if I'm going to characterize God, it would be guilt and shame. Or I'm going to characterize God with condemnation and judgment. Or I'm going to characterize God with impatience and fear. Or I'm going to characterize God with being indifferent and distant. But David, an older, experienced, gray-haired man, who's experienced the best of life and some of the most challenging moments and heroic failures, looks back on a story and says, let me tell you who God is. Let me sum it all up. Goodness and love. That's who he is as a shepherd. Isn't that the kind of shepherd you'd want? Isn't that who you'd want leading you through life? A shepherd full of goodness and love? And that's what he's inviting you into. That's what God's inviting you into, this kind of story of, of provision and protection and pursuit of his goodness and his love. Sometimes you don't even recognize it. Sometimes you can't even see it until you look back on it, and then you see some of the best when you look back. And I had a moment like this with my friend James a couple weeks ago. He reminded me the value of looking back on our story. James has been coming here, what, a couple months. And I got to know James. And many of you know we, we launched our, the city's now calling it the Hub Resource Center, right? The HRC. And so every day, Monday through Saturday from 9 to 3, we're caring for the homeless in our city, partnering with the city. And so James has been a leader and a volunteer in that ministry. And so I was with him. I was over there last week. And he was just loving people and smiling and getting to know their stories and sitting down with them. And we were talking at one point, and I've gotten to know some more of James' story just by being here and by being there. And he was just smiling and telling me about his journey and his adventure with God and goodness and love nipping at his heels. You see, James, there was times in his life just like ours where he started to pursue other shepherds. Thought he could do it on his own, thought he'd manage it, so he shepherded himself into some darkness, shepherded himself into some addictions, shepherded himself into homelessness at one point. And it was at that point a friend showed up in his life and reminded him of who he was, and that he was valuable, and that he was seen, and that people cared. And he said, that's right, and he came back. And God has led him into this path of redemption and restoration, goodness and love, nipping in his heels all along the way. And I said, James, I said, even in the midst of that story, even in those moments when you look back now, can you see God? Did you hear him? And he's like, oh, he never left. 
There was always these moments, now that I look back, where he showed up and gave me just what I needed at just the right time, including a friend just to see me and to love me and to care for me. You see, God's goodness and love is always showing up. And it reminded me to look back at my own story. From the time I was a kid, growing up, walking through some really dark, deep valleys, thinking that I'm alone, that God doesn't care, that the dreams that I thought we once had were now gone. And yet all of a sudden looking back and realizing goodness and love were there. Shepherding me, shepherding James, shepherding David. And the good shepherd wants to shepherd you with his goodness and love. Who are you going to trust as your shepherd? David continues... He's reflecting on this provision and protection and the pursuit of goodness and love. And, and it gives him a, a very different view of not just this life, but all of eternity. And so he sums up this whole passage with this phrase, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just say that out loud together. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You get this sense of just a big exclamation point of words and emotions coming together for him like, ah, this is what I want most of all. The word dwell there, interestingly enough, it's not like living. It actually calls like it's a returning to something. He's like, I'm going to return to the house of God forever. I'm going to go back to the way God originally designed it. I'm going I'm to be a part of everything he originally wanted for me and everyone else. And what he's describing and what he's picturing is this picture of heaven. And we don't talk a lot about heaven specifically in this world. We just don't. It's interesting. We're fascinated with what's beyond death. There's a fascination with the supernatural and what's next. We don't talk a lot about heaven in church. I remember singing a lot about it growing up. Remember talking about it? And I think because it's so hard to understand, to even picture, to I mean, even the, the pictures and descriptions we get in the Bible are so limited, and yet at the same time, they're so fascinating and so beautiful. I mean, the, the best you can imagine, right? You think about what God designed in the Garden of Eden and just the beauty and the harmony and the peace and the relationships and the community. And then you picture whatever it might be about heaven and, and the brightness and, and the beauty and the majesty and the glory. But then mostly what he's picturing is that the house of the Lord is where the presence and the power of God as his shepherd resides. And he's going, ah, the moments, the glimpses that I've gotten in this lifetime of being in the presence and experiencing the goodness and love and the power of God, I'm going to get that all the time forever. So imagine like every moment of the best day you've ever experienced on the best vacation, imagine that forever with no tears and no pain and no shame and no guilt and no condemnation and no loss and no confusion. And imagine none of that. And he's going, you can imagine David just going, ah, oh, this is it. This shepherd is going to shepherd me. And there's a sense of longing for that. That's what he's picturing here. He has this different perspective on life. That's what he's saying. He, has, he lives with an eternal perspective to where everything just kind of dims in this world. And he longs for something that he knows is coming his way that he's gotten glimpses of in this lifetime. And it reminded me of an illustration I heard about. There was a professor that sent a picture, this picture, to all of his students. And he said, hey, just, 
In a couple words or sentences, why don't you just tell me what you see? And we're going to discuss it at our next class. So, of course, you know, what do you think people responded? A black dot. That's right. I mean, that's what I, all the students like a black dot, just a few words. Like, I see a black dot. Some of you, like the A students, are going to try and sit in two or three sentences say the same thing. Well, what I see is a black dot, which represents darkness surrounded by, you know, it's like, look, you're saying the same thing. It's a black dot. But <laughs> here's the thing. So they gather for the class, and at the end of the day, here's what he says. He goes, you know what's fascinating? The black dot represents what? Less than 1% of the area of the picture. What dominates the image is light. What dominates the image is the white surrounding the black dot. And yet, we all focus on the black dot. And as I was reading this passage this week, I thought, you know what? David would be the one in the class who got it right. And that's what he's reflecting here about the pursuit of goodness and love, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever is his perspective is such that he goes, you know what I see? I see hope. I see light surrounding and squeezing darkness out of this world. You know what I see? I see the best of God's goodness and love chasing me down. You know what gets smaller and smaller every day is the darkness. You know what gets bigger and brighter every day is the hope and the light and the life and the power of, and the presence that I have with God. That's the invitation that Psalm 23 gives every single one of us, is an eternal perspective that goes beyond the moments of pain and grief and sadness and darkness that we encounter in this world. And so as we close, not just today, but as we close our series, we're going to read Psalm 23 again together, the whole thing. And I want to invite you, as we do, just to let God speak to you, and I want him just to illuminate what word, what truth does he want you to hold on to today? What would he want to make real in your life as a good shepherd? Let's read Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Who's your shepherd? We're all sheep trying to navigate a world that's beyond all of us into an eternity that's beyond any of us. Who are you trusting to lead you and guide you? Who are you trusting to provide everything that you would need? Who are you trusting to protect you, to protect your mind, to protect your heart? And are you willing to believe 
that God is the good shepherd that's pursuing you with goodness and love. And there's evidence of that even today because you're here. And maybe he brought you here just to remind you of who he is and to tell you that he loves you. And he'd really love to be your shepherd. Are you willing to trust him with that? So as we close, if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe this is a passage. Maybe this is a truth that you're familiar with. Maybe it's one that you've heard about, whether it's today or the last few weeks. Maybe it's one that you've heard about over your life through friends or family members. Or, but maybe you've never really made the good shepherd your good shepherd. And maybe today's the day that you're ready to say yes and, and make him your good shepherd. I want to invite you, if you would, if that's you, just to pray this prayer with me. Just silently in your heart, in your mind. Just pray this prayer. Say, God, Father, would you be my shepherd? Would you forgive me when I go my own way for the brokenness and the damage that I've created in my life or in the lives of others around me? Would you provide the forgiveness and the grace and the life that I long for? Would you protect my mind and my heart, my thoughts, my choices and decisions. And through the power of your spirit, would you give me ears to hear you and eyes to see you and follow you as you lead me with your goodness and love? If that's you and you prayed that prayer, this morning, would you just raise your hand wherever you're at so I can pray over you? Anyone else? So, Father, thank you for being a good shepherd. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for the forgiveness and the love and the life that you offer to every single one of us through your son, Jesus. And I pray for every single person that prayed that prayer in their heart and their mind and their life that raised their hand to acknowledge it. God, I believe that you're speaking to them, that your voice is gonna resonate differently in their life because of that. I pray that you would fill them with the power of your spirit to amplify your voice so that they might even see your goodness and love unfolding in their life and in their story. And I pray as we continue to listen and to follow you as your sheep, God, that you would lead us with your kindness and your compassion, that you would hold us with your strength, 
and that you would continue to provide everything that you need. And we pray this in the power of your name. Amen.